This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning. It's a weekly TV podcast from Media Week. My, I'm James Manning, the editor of Media Week, and joining me, Andrew Mercado, our special contributor, contributing uh, weekly columnist, our regular podcast co-host. Welcome back, Andrew. Hello, James. And with all of the rain in Australia at the moment, a big shout out to anybody. I hope you're not being flooded, but for everybody else, gee, there's a lot of TV to watch while you're stuck indoors. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty going on. And we've got some uh, good stuff this week. We're going to um, talk a little bit about uh, Playlist on Netflix, which is a, a, a sort of dramatization of the sort of how Spotify got going. Yep. We're going to talk about a movie on Netflix called The Stranger. I'm going to chat about Karen Piri, another sort of um, police procedural on BritBox. You're going to finish up with um, a couple of viewing things on SBS and ABC in yep. the coming week. First of all, I just wanted to catch up. Last week we spoke about um, Significant Others. I hadn't seen it then, but I've watched that first episode since then. I just wanted to come on and support your um, your version that it's um, it looks really good uh, it, after only one episode. Yeah, and, you know, I've been looking at the reviews and I've been looking at the reaction on social media and this show is a hit. Every single person who's watched it and written about it uh, is saying it's fantastic. So there you go. And and I and I stick by what I said to you last week. I think people like this show because it's relatable. We can all relate to a family where the adult brothers and sisters are fighting about mother, about money and care of their mother. It's very, very relatable what's going on in this show. And and I think that's the main reason why people are really enjoying it. You don't really get to see Jacqueline McKenzie flashback at all in that first episode, I don't think. I think I'm right in saying. But she does crop up, does she, in others? She does. Yep. I'm just wondering if, has she really gone missing? Well, this is the thing. There's no chance of her wandering back in, is there, (laughs) later on? I'm four episodes in and that's still a question mark. Yeah. Okay. Be fascinating if she did. I get the feeling she won't. It doesn't doesn't um doesn't seem to me that sort of thriller to me. It's just sort of revealing the sort of the unfolding family dramas that you know that the surviving members have to deal with, I guess. Yeah. But it's really good. And I should shout out that um, Media Week, Grace Golash did uh, interview Todd McKenney um, a- about his role in it. Um, we published that this week and it's good good seeing him or, or reading him talking about sort of his his first acting role and he in a in a drama and he talks about how interesting it was being like the new, cl- new kid on the block during the production of this. And that looks like his real-life greyhound in the first episode too. He's a notorious uh, <laughs> greyhound rescuer. And when his character walked in with a greyhound, I was like, that has to be his real-life dog getting a role in the show too. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on then. So there's a couple of things on Netflix this week. I guess the the standout thing is the um, the Australian movie The Stranger. It's a, it's a new release. I think it did A Week in Cinemas. Um, as as Netflix likes to do, I guess to qualify for for certain movie awards and things like that, then it's it's turned up just this week 
on um, on the streaming platform. Joel Edgerton plays an undercover police officer, and um, it's real. I, I didn't realise till after this that it's based on a. Well, it might even actually tell you, in, but I didn't realise the actual case. It is because they've changed the names. Yeah. Um. In the in the um, it's based on the Daniel Morecambe uh, murder yep. in Queensland, but they've they've been sensitive, I guess, to wanting to be seen to exploit that um that case, and so they've made a movie which they say is about the 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 surrounding um the what went on behind the scenes and and the people involved in in leading up to his murder. Well, that is true. They've changed the name of the child who is kidnapped and murdered, but they've kept the location the same. And I mean down to the Glasshouse Mountains. You know, I'm a Queenslander, and that first shot that came up, I'm like, that's the Glasshouse Mountains near the Sunshine Coast. So, you know, if you're going to change the victim's name you could change the location too you know it's it's kind of bizarre i know they're trying to be sensitive and indeed we've we've heard from daniel morcom's family they're not happy um about no. this movie being made um you know it's look it's it's a bit of a head scratcher for me james i watched it this afternoon and i found it pretty slow oh. and kind of bleak yeah right that's an understatement <laughs> it's very slow So I'm trying to figure out what the point of it is because if we look at something that came out recently along these lines, which was NITRAM, which was on Stan and it was the story of the Port Arthur Massacre killer and they didn't even use his name and NITRAM is actually his name in reverse, there was a story to tell there because he clearly had mental health issues. So the point of that movie was to look at all the red flags that had been raised before he went and murdered all those people at Port Arthur. Now, there's a story to be told here with how they caught the killer of Daniel Morecambe, but that's not really a new story. Yes, it's a police undercover sting operation, and we know that an undercover policeman uh, ingratiated himself to the killer and made friends with him and finally got him to confide in him about the murder. But that's not really a new story, James, and I, and I can't really see that the stranger illuminated anything in that story that made it worth my time to have spent two hours watching that. Yeah, look, um, I was really puzzled at the start. And when you realise what the thing is, well, you realise there's a bit more of a point to it, but it is just so bleak and what's the word? Is it minimalist? It's just... Yeah, it's minimalist. It's just nothing really happening. There's just so many... There's just silence in a lot of the scenes. There's driving in cars where there's very little... At night. Yeah, very little dialogue. Yeah. Um, But it's, it's just nothing going on and you just... You keep your mind keeps thinking, "Oh, should I bail out now, or will I stick with it a bit longer?" It's one of those movies where you think, "Oh, is this a little bit of genius?" And then five minutes later, you go, "No way, this is just ridiculous." Yeah, um, you, you keep asking yourself those questions. Um, but the the yeah, the parents really paid out big time on this production. I think they went on the Today Show at least once or twice saying, look, you know, they thought it was morally corrupt and cruel with some of the quotes. Um, They didn't want any part of it. 
Um, but uh, th- there was one quote where um, where Bruce Morecambe said, look, if they don't use Daniel's name to promote the movie, we're comfortable with that. But yeah. they did seem, I think, still to have some problems um, overall that they just they just didn't want to know about it. And you've got to ask yourself too, you know, as you said before, what is the point of it? I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, the filmmakers must have known that it would have been very sensitive for the family. And I'm starting to think a whole lot, a lot of all this real crime stuff, it, it is, is it being exploitative? Is it, yeah. you know, all these endless podcasts and yeah, the, yeah. The recreations? And it's just nothing gets commissioned now unless it's um, based on a, a real-life crime or something. Have we just gone too far down this track? And, you know, another film I'd compare The Stranger to would be Snowtown, which was about, you know, the bodies in the barrel. Again, I didn't particularly like that film, but I could see the point of that film. That film was about how that man in the community won over all of those people and worked on their insecurities to get them to kill for him and hide bodies. Again, I just spent the whole time watching The Stranger going, why am I watching this? I I just kept, couldn't see what the point of it was because it wasn't, uh, the story wasn't bringing up anything new that I didn't already know. I didn't get any surprises whatsoever watching that film. Even though Joel Edgerton was good, Jada Alberts was good. Ewan Leslie was was good. They all were good with the material that they were working with. But all up, I literally, James, spent the last hour of the film scrolling on my phone and half watching it. <laughs> I mean, it's a very male film too, isn't it? I mean, it's all it's all blokes apart from Jada uh, Alberts, who you mentioned. It's just all men. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, it was just yeah. I, I just couldn't get over. It. Directed by um. Thomas M. Wright, it's uh, who's done a bit of acting, a bit of writing. It's only his second feature film. Yeah, first first one was Acute Misfortune, which I don't really know at all. Um, you and Leslie's got almost a cameo towards the yes. end as a yes. as a sort of a a senior policeman. Yeah, uh, warning: look, they mightn't have a strong enough case um, to sort of break their cover um, just yet, um, and I guess. The probably the I mean Joel Edgerton's very good, but I guess Sean Harris as as Henry, the sort of um, who commits the crime, is oh that's a performance and a half I guess isn't it you know but I suppose I mean he's, he looks very weird, but all that stuff about they get him to recreate how he actually murdered him and all that that's terribly upsetting. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't. I didn't think that was necessary at all. Yeah, I yeah, I I know exactly what scene you were talking about. I kind of went, well, yeah, you know, and and that, yeah, you could, you just can't imagine how anybody who knew the family or the the boy would react to that. Let alone just what it does to us. Yeah, uh, when we watch it, it's just it's just shocking and and really unnerving. So look, yeah, the stranger. Look, if you're brave and you know you you're ready to sit through a. I mean, I I texted you and said it's a bit of an ordeal, and it it sort of is, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, a bit. Look, also on uh, Netflix, something sort of completely different is the playlist, which I think is a Swedish drama. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's subtitles. Sweet, done in uh, Swedish with the subtitles. Although, you know, in the second episode I watched, they go off to New York and speak in English, but the subtitles remain in English. Okay. Yeah. I, the the 
I think I've only seen the first episode so far. I have, and I saw the I watch was watching the dubbed version, the English. Dubbing. Oh, were you? All oh, right, yeah, which wasn't completely um, satisfactory, but yeah, so it's a dramatization. The early days of a, of the musing streaming service that was to become Spotify. Um, yep. David Eck is the real life sort of whiz young programmer who who has this idea. Um, it starts off him is is with his mother in the sort of um, the very first scene, I think, giving her a mobile phone. And it was the, you know, when mobile phones were first starting to come into sort of mass acceptance. Um, He applies for an internship at Google and um, thinking, you know, look, he he realises he's got a bit of talent in that area, so he writes off to them. They eventually write back saying, look, you don't have a university degree, so we can't really consider you. He gets really angry, but that's... In a way, that's a bit of a motivation for him. He he sets up a whiteboard. He quits his job, sets up a whiteboard in his in his apartment. Says, "Look, I want to." What's I think he said he wants to start up within twelve months. Yeah, wants to have his own business going. So he sets off with that. Um, um, and then it's just he he sells. That's right. He launches an advertising business, doesn't he? A uh, an ad called Advertigo, I think it is. Uh, business and he sells it for like mil- t- ten million kroner. Yeah, yes. which is which is a lot of money in any in, in <laughs> any in any um, foreign exchange. And then you see him; he dabbles with Pirate Bay, where you see a lot of Pirate Bay becomes really big at the time. Uh, there's lots of scenes of Sony Music, how they have to deal with Pirate Bay, and the you see the the Swedish chief of Sony Music having a meeting with Pirate Bay, and he starts off. They tell him to get stuffed. <laughs> They're not. They don't need to worry about Sony Music. But it moves along at pretty breakneck speed. <laughs> that um, first episode. So what you were saying, the second one, they're off in New York, are they? Yeah, because that that uh, rep from Sony Music be- becomes a real major character. Okay. Um, and there's a scene. I guess it might it, it might be in the second episode where he goes to this quite fancy party, and uh, this guy. Uh, starts telling him this, and he's this rich guy, and he tells him how he's listening to music on Pirate Bay, and the Sony exec just loses it and goes over and and says, uh, "Oh, is this your desk here? I might just take some of these papers off your desk because that's what you're doing to my business. You're taking things from me for free, so I might just take some stuff from you." And causes a real scene at this party, and so he becomes quite a crucial character in this but then in episode three james the story completely changes and we start seeing it from the viewpoint of the lawyer who was brought in from spotify to negotiate these music rights and she's a young hotshot lawyer so i haven't watched episode three yet but there's a there looks like there's a change of pace coming because the story then switches to her point of view and just quickly i guess you i mean your years at V and, and yeah. Max and that, you had sort of a ringside seat when a lot of that digital was going on, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, the days you would have started, you would have been getting served, I guess, CDs and yep. stuff like that, and, and all of a sudden digital was the thing and um, physical music was sort of on the way out. Well, it's, it's interesting because what the playlist reminded me of, I remember um, having a barbecue and I remember – 
a friend of mine uh, who was visiting from America and he said that he was using Pirate Bay. And I said, oh, why do you feel the need to do that? Because to me, he was living in America and he had access to all of this TV before fast tracking became a thing. I couldn't figure out why he needed it, given he lived in America and was getting everything quicker. And he said to me, I'm sick of TV stations telling me what to do. I want to watch things when I want to watch them. And I remember being a bit taken aback by that, that kind of entitlement. It's like, well, dude, like, (laughs) and I I didn't get into it with him, but I remember thinking, well, if you just keep taking it for free, how is anyone going to make any money to do this? And of course, you know, 10 years later, we're seeing now that there's more TV than ever. So, you know, they found a way to work through this. But yeah, I remember that this, you know, when, I remember we used to get music delivered to us at Channel V in CDs. Everybody that worked at Channel V um, on their desks had CDs stacked up to the ceiling. And every week the record companies came in and gave us more and more CDs for free to listen to. And, um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the change was was uh, around the corner. But, yeah, we still had those physical copies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One thing I didn't mention at the start, we haven't talked about Chantaram yet, have we? No, we haven't I, because I've watched, I think, six episodes and you were going to start watching it because it only dropped on Apple TV Plus last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've powered through four. I, yeah, right. I think it's brilliant. It's really compelling, isn't it? So do I. I've read a few reviews that go, it's too slow. And it's like, really? <laughs> I, I, I said to someone who said to me, I thought it was slow too. I was like, yeah, but what, what do you need? This is like a great big sprawling epic story. To me, yeah. it kind of suits, uh, it suits it that where that, you know, I don't need them to tell this story quickly. He is in a foreign country, living under an alias. He's lost his passport. He's living in a slum of Bombay. I'm there for it. I, I want to see uh, this story played out. I don't need them to speed it up. I, I don't have a problem with the running time of it at all yet. I don't feel like I'm bored. Yeah. No, it's based on uh, uh, the the sort of um – was it the? Well, it's a novel written by Gregory David Roberts, drawn on inspiration of his own life. Yeah, he was. It was almost like a petty criminal in Australia. He was a bank robber um, who sort of got did a, a breakout from uh, Pentridge Prison, which I think is the first episode where it starts. Yes. Really, yes. they use the real the real jail in Melbourne, which is still there in the suburb of Coburg, I think, from memory. Yeah, it is. Uh, up Sydney Road from the city. I think city. there's cinemas now, James. I think oh, really? Palace Cinemas are in there at Pentridge oh, okay. now and they've Maybe. turned it into cinemas. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he jailbreaks and he ends up in India um, and then it sort of follows his invention there and he sort of gets mixed up in sort of a, a criminal sort of underground in um, in. Bom- well, it's not Bombay, is it? Um, what, what do they call it these days? Uh, but I think it was Bombay back then. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Bombay back then. It's a Mumbai. So, yeah. Mumbai, is it? Mumbai, they call it now. But yeah. I think they called it Bombay back Bombay back then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they refer to that in the show. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, so it's pretty amazing. It's played, I think he's an English guy playing the Australian, but he does a very good accent. does a very good um, Charlie uh, Hunnam. But he does a very good Australian accent. He does. He does. And, you know, someone said on my Facebook page, I'd watch 
Charlie Hunnam if he was in a TV show drinking a cup of tea. And I concur <laughs> with that. He's a very handsome man. And, I mean, I've been a fan of his since he was in the original UK version of Queer as Folk when he was still a okay. teenager. And then he, you know, grew the hair long and became a bikey in Sons of Anarchy and, and now the whole world's in love with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've never, I've never managed to watch Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, but I think he was, um, he really built a name for himself in that, didn't he? He did. Yeah, but it's just amazing everything happens, and he ends up living. You know, he he sees both sides of life in in um, Bombay. I guess the the sort of criminals who live very well off. Uh, they caught him, or they think they're courting him, but they're really trying to set him up. I get the feeling. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't quite got that far yet. Yeah, there's but a lot going on. Yeah, but he makes friends with some great people in sort of uh, the, what do you call them shanty towns? The um, yeah slums. They yeah, call them the slums. slums. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, he, and he lives there, and he sort of well, he's, he he worked as an ambulance driver for a while, so they put him to use in the in the slum as a um, a medico. Yeah, and people line upside his outside his hut there trying to get, and he gives them sort of the, the best medical advice he can. Yeah, he, he tries to. Uh, he tries to almost to be too good at times, and that causes problems, doesn't it? And he tries to, you know, I think one of the um, references is he tries to fix problems that don't exist or yes. you know, he doesn't take the advice of the locals all the time. You know, he doesn't, he's not wise to the sort of the way things work in Bombay, if you like, and, and that causes him all sorts of grief. Well, he's sort of on a journey of redemption. You know, he knows that some of the things he did when he was a heroin addict and a criminal were wrong. Um, He's escaped out of prison, so he's not uh, doing his full prison sentence, but there's a reason why he had to escape from prison. So he's trying to redeem himself. But, you know, what's interesting about this, he's trying to redeem himself, but he's still hanging around bad people. So he's redeeming himself with people in the slums, but then getting involved in more dodgy business with people who are clearly up to no good. So, you know, the yin and the yangs are all over the shop there. Yeah. So, yeah, so no, it's great. It's definitely worth worth tuning into. Um, I personally would love to spend a lot more time in India. I've only had one visit, but it just intrigues me and I, w- I would love to be there a bit more. And this is the next best thing. I, Andrew, I was getting the feeling watching this that the atmosphere it creates, it reminded me very much of The Serpent. Yes. The, um, the Netflix drama. It, it really really uh, reproduces the atmosphere of the time yeah, and the, yeah. you get a real feel for the for the city and the country and it, yeah. and it just gets into your memory and it's a it's a really I don't know it's a pleasurable experience watching it yeah i agree i very much agree yeah okay now they're only dropping one a week which is the bad news so you're going to have to wait i think there's 10 episodes and the last one doesn't roll through till i think nearly the end of december yeah. So it's um, you, you're going to have to sort of um, bide your time and just be patient at uh, at one a week. Interesting this week quickly too. Uh, Netflix saying they've found that their strategy of re- trying to release all episodes at once pays off. They've got they showed charts from Google Trends which shows when they drop all the episodes at once. Um, it really encourages um, binge viewing, encourages word of mouth, and yep. they, they perform a lot better than when they do it once a week. 
How interesting. But it is interesting that once a week does seem to be a trend gaining traction yes. at other streaming platforms, doesn't it? Yeah, that that is interesting. And, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Netflix this week. I mean, they've finally had a rise in subscribers. because uh, and, and that's because they've got a couple of hit shows now, you know. Yeah. Whether you like yeah. it or not, Dharma is a massive hit. Yeah. Um, and well done to Heartbreak High, the little Aussie show that has been trending worldwide <laughs> and just been renewed for a second series. Uh, I'm halfway through the last episode in it, and it's been fantastic, and it is well-deserved to get a series renewal. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. Look, I just wanted to talk quickly about Karen Perry. It's the name of a um, new drama on BritBox. Look, I I seem to be talking about a lot of these, but and each time I go, oh, do I really want another one? I think, yeah, well, <laughs> I'll have a look. Um, this is three episodes. Each one's about uh, nearly an hour and a half, so that's going to be four. And, a, and I think it's all the one story all the way through. Right. So if it is, that's four and a half hours of one tale, which is um, which is very long for a sort of a crime um solving a crime but i was pleasantly surprised by this it's a it's a great first episode it's got a cracking climax at the end of it which makes you want to watch more and i i thoroughly enjoyed it it's um based on the um the scottish crime novelist vel mcdermott yep has written a lot of books and not a lot of them have been translated into movies or tv um, but this one has, and um, I just really liked it a lot. Lauren Lyle is um, DS Karen Peary. She's a Scottish actress who some people might know from Outlander. Um, she's appointed to this case. Some people think because she's a woman, she has to. In the cops realise, look, it's a they're a bit blokey. It's it's a case involving the um, murder of a female. Um, bar attendant, barmaid, yep. if you like, um, who went out late one night, uh, never to return. So she investigates this, and it's it's really good. There's there's a lot of flashbacks in it, but it's all sort of carefully done, and it's quite easy to follow. Um, but I just really I really enjoyed it. I had to watch with the captions though. I just found the the accents really, and I find that in a lot of those Scottish dramas, and there's a lot of them lately. It's just those captions really help you get get the exact um, what's being conveyed in every sentence. <laughs> and does, so this is it. Looks like it's an ITV series, and it looks like there's six uh, novels. Um, okay. And so where are you watching it? You're watching it on BritBox? On BritBox, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but I'm really good. But one little aside, people vomiting. Do you, have you noticed in a lot of dramas there's always someone vomiting these days? There's a lot of that now, isn't there's, there? Mate, it's just every time someone gets a surprise, they go, oh, let's make them vomit. I mean, yeah. really? Yeah. Come on, back off a bit. It's, I know. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I remember once when you couldn't show it on the big screen. Yeah. It's taboo. Um, and then, of course, we had people like Linda Blair vomiting in The Exorcist <laughs> and, you know, then The Meaning of Life uh, and, you know, now. But, yeah, it's used a lot in drama. Someone runs yeah. with a mouthful yeah. of pea soup and makes yeah. and just, and it can be right. just It can be any anything that's got a – where they want to shock the audience, they think, oh, let's yeah. get a vomit in. And it's just a device that's way overdone, I think. 
well, what were we watching recently? Um, and it was just the camera was inside the <laughs> toilet bowl and the person like vomited. And it's like, seriously, do I seriously need to see this? But, you know, I'm kind of disappointed that you said Karen Peary. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say Karen Pinney, who, of course, was the Australian <laughs> model and actress. She was the first centrefold in Australian Playboy. And, you know, everyone remembers her from the Paul Hogan show and the Young Doctors. Yeah. But it's not her. Yeah, no, no. A couple of those um, that that I mentioned, the novelist of Val McDermott. A couple of things are traces, which I've talked about here once before. Yeah. That's a um, there's been two seasons of that. It's a, a a crime sort of drama set in um, set in Scotland. And also, you might remember back to Wire in the Blood yeah. with Robson Green. Yes, back in the early two thousands. But, but it really made Robson's Green's name, I think. That yeah, it did. That, that and um, back about thirty-one episodes of those. I'm sure they're on a streaming platform somewhere. Look, we might uh, finish off for this week. You've got a couple of things, one on SBS and one on the ABC, which you can tell us about. Yeah, look, um, the Inside the Sydney Opera House is on the ABC from Sunday night. It's only three parts, narrated by Marta Dusseldorp. Incredibly, the first time that cameras have been allowed into the inner sanctum backstage. Uh, obviously, you know, COVID shutdowns when it was being made and New York, New Year's Eve fireworks and all of that. But, yeah, if you're interested in the iconic opera house about to celebrate its 50th birthday next year, that's uh, starting on ABC on Sunday night. And, look, The Pact. The Pact is a TV series you can now watch on SBS On Demand. All six episodes are up there. It's screening on NITV on Thursday nights. And I can't quite figure out, why it's on NITV, because it's mostly a show about, it's about a white family. Yes, someone in the family is married uh, to a Maori man who's played by Kirk Torrance, who played Wayne the Policeman in Outrageous Fortune. And I mean, NITV, they do, you know, tend to screen shows uh, that have some sort of uh Indigenous storyline or cast. And I think the pact is kind of stretching it a bit because I think the pact um, is good enough for SBS or SBS Viceland. I don't understand why we have this kind of attitude here in Australia that it's that if it's been made in New Zealand, it's simply not good enough for Australian audiences. This is a great little show about dementia and euthanasia. You meet this family, you meet the mother, she's a, the, the grandmother. She's a lovely lady. Her granddaughter knows that something's not right. She gets a diagnosis of stage five dementia and she decides that she wants to undertake voluntary euthanasia before she can't remember anything and has to be cared for by her husband. And her granddaughter is a stand-up comedian in this bar and she's not a funny stand-up comedian. So there's comedy to be had there. And I just watched the first two episodes and thought, this is terrific. I'm going to watch the whole thing. But you know, I, I I literally went looking for it today and just went, why is it so hard to find? You know, we need to get over this snobbery we have in Australia that they watch all of our TV shows, yeah, quite happy yeah. to watch our stuff, but we kind of go, oh, is that a New Zealand show? Oh, no, throw it on some minor channel in, in summer in a late night slot. We need to get over that because the Kiwis are making some great TV and the pact is something that I would recommend you seek out on SBS On Demand and watch. 
Yeah, I reckon TVNZ should probably start up a streaming channel here and so supply yeah. their contents. We get we get very little NZ when I think about it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they're what they're um, putting out over there. Look, um, we've nearly wrapped up for another week. I want to talk a little bit about next week's episode. It's going to be a cracker, I believe, Andrew. You're going to have a Halloween horror wrap for us, yes, which I'm I am really looking forward to. I'll finally get to talk about Inside Man, which I think I have discovered is coming to Netflix on October 31. Interestingly, Halloween, but it's not really a horror right. drama. Is it, so is it going to be scary? Because, you know, you don't necessarily have to be horror to yeah. be. You just need to be scared on Halloween no, night. Stanley Tucci, David Tennant, I said last week, one of the best plotted dramas I've ever watched. Wow. Um, I think it's a horror. No. Oh, okay. Hey, Stanley is it, is... Tucci's sort of scary and threatening. Okay. If you stretch it, maybe that's, you know, that's um we're also going to be talking about uh the return of Aiden Turner to the screen, better known as um the lead uh, of Poldark, but the suspect hasn't really set the world on fire. This um the new crime drama is in. And we're going to talk about Monarch, which I'm um looking yeah. forward to seeing too. Yeah, there's five. There's four episodes, and probably uh-huh. five by next week. Finally, up on Paramount Plus after some delay. And this is the country music nighttime soap starring Susan Sarandon. And that's all you need to do to watch it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Andrew. Do we know? Give us a tease. What you're writing about this week in your Mercado on TV column? Yeah, I might uh, just give you a bit of a. Uh, a preview as to what's going to happen in the second series of Fisk, which okay. is back on the ABC next Wednesday with Kitty Flanagan and so many great Australian comedians in it. Brilliant. We'll be looking forward to that. Okay, look, there's a great episode next week, so make sure you like or follow the podcast so you get automatic updates. This has been Mikado and Manning. We'll be back next week.